Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good morning to everybody. Good morning. And I just want to welcome everyone. I'm glad, to, glad that we chose to come here today to celebrate this uh, gorgeous day, Christmas Day. And first of all, let me extend my warmest greetings to you, my church family, and also personally from Doreen and I. We want to wish every family a blessed Christmas. God bless you. God be with you. I'm thankful to God that we can gather together like this today. I know that every time during Christmas season, we hear the song, Joy to the World, right? You go to the stores, sometimes you listen, in your vehicles you might have it. And you may ask me, Pastor, how can we sing Joy to the World when the world is so messed up? COVID-19 has crippled the whole world. We hear of new variants coming out of nowhere. And then thousands die each day, and thousands are sick in the hospitals, and thousands have lost their jobs, and thousands are starving. And we are seeing that terrorism is on the peak these days. And we see there's a travel ban, and even if you want to take a break, you can't do that. We see there is a new threat for the World War III. I don't know if you, if you are following the politics. I mean, with the, from the leaders of the south, on the south of the border and, and, the, and the Russians, I don't know where this is going to lead. And there are natural disasters, and we heard about that in, in the earthquake in Haiti. And, and the inner cities here, I mean, are overrun with drug trafficking and gang violence, and the list can go on and on and on. And, and, and you are saying what? Joy to the world. Joy to the world. You know, if you recall the psalmist in Psalm 137, a beautiful psalm, he writes, the, the, the children of Israel are sitting down and saying, by the rivers of Babylon... There we sat down, and they say, when we remembered Zion, yeah, yeah, we cried. You know that song very well. And then he said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? So you ask, how can we sing joy to the world under the current environment and situation that we are living in? Church, if you truly understand the theology of joy to the world, we too will rejoice in the midst of the uncertain, unprecedented time. This particular carol was written by Isaac Watts in the 17th century, and he wrote this text as a paraphrase of Psalm 98, which you heard being read earlier. He published this under the heading, The Messiah's Coming and Kingdom. So this is his Christological interpretation. I want you to understand one thing, church. Isaac does not emphasize with equal weight the various themes of Psalm 98. So as we go through Psalm 98, along with the famous carol, we will get to know the reason why we can sing joy to the world. Not only during Christmas time, but all throughout the year. But all throughout the year. So I just want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 98. 
Now, when you study the psalm, you too will, you, you will see that even this psalm falls into three stanzas of three verses. We can view them in several different angles, but for me, I'm looking at this, and the first three verses of Psalm 98 portrays God as the Savior. The second three verses, verses 4 to 6, it portrays God as our King. And the last three verses, in verses 7 to 9, it portrays God as our judge. But I'm going to work through the carol and see how the message of Psalm 98 is intertwined or woven into the various stanzas of the carol. And then you'll know that we can sing. Why we can sing, joy to the world. Joy to the world. Not only in, the, in this unprecedented time, but every single day of our lives. So I'm going to ask the worship team, we should sing this more often. If you really understand the theology behind this. You know, there used to be uh, Mr. Amar Singh, most of you may know, he has gone to be with the Lord. And he's a very elderly man who loves to sing. So every time I go and visit them as a family, I open the door, no matter what time of the year it is, I'll open the door and sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And trust me, he'll join me. And we have a good time singing together. So let's go through this carol now. And, and the first thing we are going to look at is, is the first stanza. Please follow along as I read this. Joy to the world. Why? The Lord is come. Who has come? The Lord is come. Let's let earth receive who? Her king. Her king. Let every heart, who? Everyone. None exempted. Everyone. Prepare him room. And heaven and nature, who? All creation. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry around the world sing, and heaven and nature sing. So the first stanza of this wonderful carol shows us God as the Lord and the King. That's what he's showing. We are told to rejoice in God as King over all the earth. We are called to rejoice that Christ has come as the Lord and to receive him as our King. And the line about let every heart prepare him room may be a subtle reference to, in the Lucan narrative, we see the passage where she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for, him, for them in the inn. So now let us look at Psalm 98. I just showed you verse number one, verse, the first answer. Let's look at Psalm 98. What does the psalmist say here? Follow along again, please. Verses 4 to 6 is what I'm looking at. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of a psalm. With trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before who? The Lord, the King. The Lord, the King. So Sami says all the earth should rejoice exuberantly. Not the commands in this. Shout joyfully, break forth, rejoice, sing praises. And again it says, in case you missed it, the psalmist says, sing to the Lord. I said, how do you sing to the Lord? And he says, with the harp, the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. And verse number six, shout joyfully. 
Wow. So let me pause and uh, ask you a reflection question. Now, before we examine this passage, does this describe our personal worship? Does this describe our worship in our church? If not, why not? Because this is what we are commanded to do. If we know Christ, this is what we are commanded to do. So worship team is a powerful lesson for us. The statement Jesus is the Lord means that Jesus is God. You heard last Sunday, we are not proclaiming Jesus as Lord. He is Lord whether you acknowledge it or not. We are called to confess that Jesus is Lord. We are called to confess that Jesus is Lord. As the Lord Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, and as we skim through the pages of the scriptures, we see that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, Luke 6, 5. He is the only sovereign and Lord, Jude 1, 4. He is, in fact, the Lord of Lords, Revelation 17, 14. And when we compare the Old Testament with the New, church, we find several times when the Lord Yahweh of the Hebrew Bible is equated with Lord Jesus by the apostles. Let me show you an example here. Okay, this. Oops. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You heard that? Yes. Peter writes, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Can you see the correlation here? In other words, the Lord Almighty, Isaiah 8.13 says, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. And Peter writes, We are commanded in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So when you reflect on God as Lord and King, it will actually impact our lives. How? God as Lord and King is truly all-powerful. He is omnipotent. We are trying to answer the question why we can sing joy to the world at all times of our lives. Because God is our Lord and King. As a Lord and King, He is omnipotent. Nothing is too hard for Him. He invites us to bring our burdens to Him. Come to me, all those who are weary and burned, I'll give you rest. That's His promise. So then humility before God and gratitude for His blessings will take hold. And, and look at this passage of Scripture here where, where Peter writes, Humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. And what's the next one? Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. That's why, church, we can sing joy to the world all the time. So God, and also God as Lord and King is our safe refuge for us all. He is omnipresent. No matter where you go, God is ever-present in our lives. He knows you. He sees you. Sometimes we wonder, okay, who can see me in my troubles? He encourages us to come without fear and as a child runs to his or her father. As we do our trust and confidence in our Heavenly Father will grow. Look at this passage of Scripture in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, 
will not be afraid. That's why you can sing joy to the world. That's why you can sing joy to the world. And not only that, God as Lord and King, He knows us and He wants to know Him. God is omniscient. He knows be my name. Do you know, church, the, the, the passage that really touched me so deeply in the, in the scriptures is that He placed the stars on the skies and He named every one of them. If He has given names to the stars, billions and billions of stars, we who He created us, won't He know us by name? You know the passage that we see in, in, in Chronicles, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, strengthening those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. That is why we can sing joy to the world all the year through. So what is my response to this Lord and King? Jesus says that, when we declare Jesus as our Lord, he, he asks this question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. An acknowledgement of Jesus' Lordship has to be logically accompanied by a submission to Jesus' authority. If Jesus is truly your Lord, He owns you. He has the right to tell us what to do. You can't rightfully rejoice and sing praises to God if your heart is in rebellion towards Him. You can fake it, church, but you can't truly sing joy to the world. He must be your king, not just with your lip service, but in your heart, if you want to rejoice in him as you should. So let me ask you a question, church here. Every one of you, including myself, who calls the shots in your life? Whom do you seek for daily counsel? Who directs your decisions? If he is the Lord and the king of your life, don't you think he knows what's best for you? If it is him, he operates and I cooperate. He operates, he calls the shots, and I just cooperate. Then you can sing joy to the world. So we looked at the first stanza of the carol and it portrays the Lord as the, Jesus as the Lord and King. Let's move on to the second stanza now. Look at that. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Who reigned? Savior reigned. Let men their songs employed while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. In the, in the verse 1 of the carol, what's called Christ as Lord and King, in the second stanza as we look at this, he calls God, Jesus, as the Savior. That's what he's saying here. So this ties in with Christmas through the angel's announcement. How did the angels announce? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In the carol, the songwriter calls the creation to join in singing because of this Savior. And he writes, the fields, the floods, the rocks, the hills, the plains to repeat the sounding joy. This is exactly what we see in verses 7 to 8 of Psalm 98 as well. Let me show it to you. 
Psalm 98, verses 7 and 8. Let the sea roar and, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. The psalmist says, let the sea roar. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful before the Lord. Wow. Wow. And in the third stanza, it's important for us to look at the second stanza and the third one. The songwriter says this. Listen, it's all connected together. The third one. The second one talks about the Savior. third one talks about what the Savior has done for us. Look at this. No more let sins and sorrows grow. No thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow for as the curse is found. So the third stanza of this carol, as we are reading this, it shows God the Savior, what he did for us. Which speak of God making his salvation known to all the nations. So far as the curse is found, so what is the extent? The curse is found in the whole world, church. In the whole world, which is infested with sin. So God's salvation be known throughout the world. So matter what does it really mean, pastor, as far as the curse is found? Listen, church. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God put a curse on all creation. Look at this passage. God told Adam this. Cursed is the ground because of you. I'm only picking up the, the portions of that. Verse 18, it will produce thorns and thistles. Verse 19, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. But the songwriter says here, look at this, he says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Where? For as the curse is found. I hope you are following with me. Beautiful, isn't it? What is he saying? Now that Christ has come, the curse is reversed. And he says, when Christ returns a second time, the curse will be eliminated. Wow! Aren't you getting goosebumps, church, as you listen to this? There will be no more thorns infesting ground. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no mourning, no crying, no pain. See how Apostle Paul describes this in Romans 8.21. This is what he says, the creation itself will be liberated. From its bondage to decay, the, the creation is heading for decay. It will be liberated, Paul says. And he says, and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And that's what you are seeing in the Psalm 98 verses 1 to 3. Look at 1 to 3 now. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. He has done great things. Things that we can't comprehend. That's what the psalmist is saying. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. What is it? Salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth. Every nook and corner. That's what it means. The whole world have seen what? The salvation of our God. So it begs a question here, church. I don't want this to be a theoretical head knowledge. I want this to be a personal knowledge for every one of us who are seated here. 
What is the Savior and why do we need a Savior? The Bible tells us that we all have sinned, we all have committed evil acts, and as a result of our sin, we deserve God's anger and judgment. Hear me, church, the only just punishment for sins committed against an infinite and eternal God is an infinite punishment. Let me repeat this to you. The only just punishment for sins committed against an infinite and eternal God is an infinite punishment, which is death. That is why we need a Savior. Somebody to save us. Jesus came to earth and died in our place. Jesus' death was an infinite payment for all of us. Every one of you, whether you know Christ or not, and those who are watching online, I want to tell you, Jesus came and his death applies to every one of us. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. He paid the price so that we would not have to. Jesus' resurrection from the dead proved that his death was sufficient to pay the penalty for our sins. That is why Jesus is the only, one and only Savior. So let me ask you the question, church, do you trust in Jesus as your Savior? Here the songwriter talks about why the creation should rejoice. It should because the Lord will restore to its original glory. That's why you rejoice. The psalmist calls a lifeless creation. Imagine what is he calling to rejoice. The rivers, the earth, the mountains, the hills, the floods. Lifeless creation to praise the Lord because when he comes, he will revoke the curse. The question is, neat and dandy, pastor, I don't want this to be a theological study. You are not come to seminary to learn about these things. You are here to see, is Jesus, the Christ of Christmas, that you are celebrating your personal Savior? That's the question. Many people view, sadly, Christianity as attending church, performing rituals, and not committing certain sins. And, it's, you know, there are CNA Christians who come for Christmas, New Year, and Easter. I have to go to church. I have to go to church. That doesn't make you a Christian. True Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Accepting Jesus as your personal Savior means placing your own faith and trust in Him. And no one is saved by proxy, the faith of others. Let me be very clear with you on that. No one is forgiven by doing good deeds. All your good deeds are like filthy rags in the sight of God. The only way to be saved is to personally accept Jesus as your Savior, trusting in His death as the payment for your sins, His resurrection as your guarantee for eternal life. So is Jesus personally your Savior? If so, then you can sing joy to the world. Only then you can sing joy to the world. Let's move to the last stanza now. He rules the world with truth. How is he going to rule the world? With truth and grace. And makes the nations prove. Prove what? The glories of his righteousness. Wow. 
How is it revealed to us? The wonders of his love. Isn't that so rich in theology? He rules the world with truth and grace. This stanza four depicts him as the one who will rule the world. He will be the judge. There is no partiality. And that's exactly what we find in verse number nine of Psalm 98. Look at this. For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. The psalmist pictures, listen carefully, the sea roaring, the rivers clapping, and the mountains singing together because the Lord is coming to judge the earth. The injustice that you face today will be eradicated and eliminated completely when He comes to reign. Maybe some of you may say, life is not fair for me. I am a good Christian, I'm trying to do everything, yet I suffer each day. I am taken advantage of, I am the doormat that people walk on. How can the wicked thrive over me and why me always? How many of you have said it? I'm sure I've said it sometimes. The songwriter says that justice will be served when the judge comes to rule. When he comes to rule, see what happens, church? J Jesus will act as judge over believers and unbelievers. And let me just hit the point home very directly now. There are only two groups of people who are seated here and are watching online. You can only belong to one of these categories. Either you are a believer or you are an unbeliever. Either you are, if I put it in a worldly term, either you are pregnant or not pregnant. You can't say half pregnant, right? I'm sorry, ladies, please bear with me. That's the way to explain it. Nobody can say I'm half pregnant. Either you are or you are not. Either you are a believer or unbeliever. You belong to one of these categories, church. And he comes to rule. It's coming to every one of you. Scary. If you are a, and you're one of them, you have to fall into one of these categories. And if you are a believer, hear me out, please. Your judgment will be at the bema seat of Christ. That's where your judgment will be. He will judge believers' works after salvation to determine reward or loss of reward. That's what's going to happen at the bema seat of Christ. The judgment has nothing to do with salvation here. As believers' eternal destiny is secure in Jesus. The moment you come to know Christ, the moment you commit your life to the Lord, when you become a child of God, you are eternally secure to be with Christ. So your judgment is going to be to determine the reward or the loss of reward. Now, how you have faithfully served the Lord is what will determine what rewards that you are going to get. But if you're on the contrast... If you are an unbeliever, hear me out, please. You will be judged by Christ, but not at the bema seat of Christ, but at the great white throne judgment. Listen, church, the scary part is this. This judgment, this judgment has nothing to do with their eternal destiny. Do you know that? Nothing to do with eternal. Why? Because at that point, unbelievers have already sealed their fate by rejecting Christ. All of the people at the great white throne are thrown into the lake of fire. 
because their names were not found in the book of life, which means they rejected Christ's free gift of salvation. Church, because Jesus is both God and man, he is the perfect judge. His judgment will be fair and perfectly just and not subject to appeal. He is not like a sinful human rulers who can be tempted or bribed to get a favorable judgment. There can be no appeals. There can be no defense attorneys. There, can, there is no second chance. His judgment will be fair and right. Look at this passage, please. This is what Jesus says. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We can be assured that Jesus is a fair judge and will enact judgment according to his wisdom and righteousness. The Son of God will transform a world full of injustice into a place of peace and safety at that time. No more will the guilty go free. No more will the innocent suffer. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 37. He will make your righteousness reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the moonday sun. That's what the psalmist says. This great joy is only for those who submit willingly to this King, to this Lord, to this Savior. So when He comes again as the righteous judge, either you will rejoice greatly, looking forward to that return, because you have received this gracious salvation, or you will shrink back in horror because you rejected him as your savior and king. That is why, church, as believers, we can sing joy to the world. In closing, church, I would say this carol that we, that we are about to sing at the very end, to a great degree, speaks of the eschatology. Now, eschatology is the study of what Scripture teaches about the end times. The church needs the teaching of eschatology because it is the capstone and crown of systematic theology. Every one of us must understand that we must know that because that's our future. Eschatology helps remind Christians that this world isn't our home and to look beyond what is presently happening for heaven where they, they will be with Christ and His people forever and always. How we understand eschatology has an impact on how we should live our lives and what we are to expect to occur in God's plan. So what is this Christmas carol, Joy to the World, really all about? Church, when you hear and sing Joy to the World, make sure that Jesus' coming is truly a source of joy for you. That you are excited. You are really thrilled. I just can't wait to see him. Imagine your children have gone uh, to study somewhere else and, and they are coming back. You are excited to meet them. Imagine your parents are out and you are going to see your parents after a long time. 
You are excited to see them. This should be, bring me more excitement than that. Make sure that Jesus' coming is truly a source of joy and not a cause of fear. So joy to the world, why? Because Jesus is a good and righteous King and Lord over all the earth. Joy to the world, why? Because God sent Jesus into the world to be our Savior, to be your Savior and my Savior. Joy to the world, why? Because Jesus is returning as judge over all the nations. He will make, he will judge all sin and wickedness. Nothing will go unnoticed or unpunished. He will make all things right, including this beautiful creation that he made by the power of his word. Church, I know that we are all paranoid and we are all worried and anxious about what's happening today in the world. Imagine a lockdown coming and you are asked to stay in the rooms for the rest of your lives. We went through that. This is only a small glimpse of what's going to happen in hell. This at least we have some hope, some vaccination might come, some miracles will happen. We'll be relieved and we are going to come out of this COVID and one day we can rejoice. But for this, there is no hope. It's only a one way. Once you are in it, you are in it. Your mother can't help you, your father can't help you, your daughter can't help you, your son can't help you, your pastor can't help you. It's too late. It's too late. So as we celebrate this Christmas, my question to you is this. Is the Christ of Christmas your Lord? Is He driving your life? Is He in the center of, is He operating and you're cooperating with Him? Is this Christ of Christmas your King? Are you totally surrendering your life to Him? Is this Christ of Christmas your Savior? Have you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior? A Savior who can save you and redeem you from your sinful life. Because this Christ of Christmas, though He is the Lord, King, and Savior, He is the judge. Are you ready to meet Him joyfully? Worship Him, please come up. And let's join together and sing this beautiful, beautiful carol. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Can we sing that? Why don't you all rise and I'll lead you in a prayer after that. And as we, as we close this, if any one of you in this congregation, please listen before we start singing. If this Christ of Christmas is not your Lord, not your King, not your Savior, not your Judge, and you want to understand it better, or you want to commit your life to Him, please come and see me or see one of the elders, and they will gladly guide you through this. Do not miss it out, because He is soon coming.